Hello and welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is the DJ. How are you going, DJ? I'm going good. I'm going good. Life is going slowly getting back to normal. TV's getting all the more lamer, but I'm getting there. Oh, TV ads. I haven't watched TV in six months. Uh, I um, just... My girlfriend's visiting. She's watching TV and the ads are <laughs> not good. Ah. Uh... Uh, I will say this: I started watching TV a couple of, couple of days ago. And I watch. I was watching an episode of Midsummer Murders, and I'm going, "Man, episode is so weird." Like it's it's like every time an every time a murder happens, eighty percent of the town gets wiped out. Like wow, wow, this 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 has a better kill rate than COVID. Yeah, I wonder like what the over all the episodes. What the uh, population is and what the murder rate in Midsummer looks like compared to anywhere else in the UK. Can, I feel sorry for the real estate agent in that in that village. Can you imagine him going like, "Look at this lovely little house. Uh, just ignore that um, blood stain on the wall and the chalk outline of the living room floor. You'll you love this place." Yeah, I um, <clears throat> maybe that's why so many people keep moving there because it's dirt cheap. <laughs> Like and the funny part is like when you when they finish the case it's when they when they find the murderer and like what was the, and they ask why did you kill him and they it'd be like the most pettiest of reasons like oh he stole my paperclip my that my granddad gave me in the war or something as petty as that. It's been a while since I've watched Midsummer Murders, but I'm pretty sure that's not a plot line. <laughs> uh, anyway, our uh, no. first topic this week is about a place where there's been literally no murders ever. <laughs> Are you sure so, about that? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I mean, there was a time an astronaut drove across America to kill her lover, but um, that was on Earth. <laughs> there has never been a murder of an astronaut in space. Oh, there was Event Horizon and those um, and the Cloverfield movies. I'm talking about reality. Ah, oh, right, that. <laughs> well, what about an Astra? <laughs> well, that was technically that's not murder. That's still reality. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um, so, what is uh, what is this movie, DJ? So, this movie is going to be a film adaptation of Andy Weir's next mo- novel. For those who are, not, who are curious who Andy Weir is, he's the genius behind this, the movie and the novel The Martian. Which and- is an excellent book, and XKCD gets it completely right. They say that... Um, the Martian is the only book to ever capture the feeling of working on an electronics project and realizing you've just screwed something up. Oh, yeah. I will say this. Um, Matt Damon played the lead character really well in that movie. Everyone in that movie was good. Yeah. And it didn't even break the rule of um, of Sean Bean dying because, <laughs> because Sean Bean's career was killed. Oh, <laughs> Uh, was was it faster than the than how Boromir died? No, it was slower. Oh. But he had a lot more time to come to grips with it. <laughs> but um, so for this one, Ryan Gosling is going to take the role this time. So I, I surprised that Ryan Gosling's going to take take a spaceman role. I mean, he's what the most handsome actor on Earth, so he wants to get off Earth to get away from all of the fangirls. <laughs> Oh, well, he he he, did, he he was pretty famous in that movie. What was that movie again? The Notebook. Yeah, that one's got good reviews. I hear. Oh, I, I I didn't like that movie at all. Don't don't get me started on that movie. Well, it's a rom com, so it's not exactly targeted for you. <laughs> You're a weeb. 
<laughs> so um so the pr- people behind um for the behind the um production for this new movie Lord Miller and Pascal have a long-running um, relationship. Um, they've even even sharing office space at one point, and they've recently won an Oscar together as the producers on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Good movie, by the way, that one was. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> People thought Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a good movie? You haven't seen... You, you Have you Wait, seen it, Professor? Are you not picking up all of the sarcasm in that? <laughs> You're worse than I am. And I'm the one who's actually diagnosed with Asperger's. So if anyone's not getting the sarcasm, it should be me. (laughs) Well, I could say this. Your sarcasm is duly noted. Please refer to the nearest medical professional as soon as possible. (laughs) But yeah, so sources um, say that before Gosling had even finished reading the manuscript, he was lobbying to executives that it seemed like the perfect project for Lord and Miller. The one hurdle that needed to be overcome was making sure Universal, which just signed the duo to a first look deal, was okay with Lord and Miller making their next project. Uh, MGM Chief um, Michael DeLuca and Universal Chief uh, Chairman Donald Langley have a long-standing relationship and following discussions between the two studios, Uni gave their blessings for the projects to move forward. And uh, DeLuca... And DeLuca and Pam, Pamela Abbey have all said this. All of us MGM are incredibly excited with this um, dream team coming together around um, Andy's astonishing novel with their masterful ability to balance beauty, drama, and action, and humor. So they're, they're the perfect filmmakers, and they'll take the take on this unique material. So you reckon it's a good? What do you reckon? A good choice on the studio's part? Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen Into the Spider Verse, but you know it's popular enough that. Uh, I these guys seem like they know their, their stuff. Yeah, like it's interesting how the people don't know what movie are they going to do though. So it, some are saying it could be the Project Hail Mary, and some are saying it could be the. Well, what? the article makes it seem pretty confirmed that it's going to be Project Hail Mary, which is um and a working title about an astronaut on a spaceship saving the planet. Yeah. So slightly higher stakes than The Martian. Still hasn't been um, released, has it? No. It should come out in spring 2021, which I'm assuming this is an American... Yes, Variety is an American site, so autumn for us. Yep. Uh, they're saying here that it, the original rights to Weir's book uh, sold for seven figures, one of the first major sales among, amid the recent shutdown due to the COVID-19. And MGM and DeLuca have continued to be aggressive. And not yeah, like- they say they've picked up a bunch of different movies at the moment. Yeah. The High Cave Rescue movie, uh, a Ridley Scott movie called Gucci, and George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing. Unfortunately, 3,000 Years of Longing uh, isn't Mad Max. <laughs> it, it'd be like Mad Max having a, th- a midlife crisis. I have 3,000 years of longing. It, it's so terrible. Furiosa, please kill me. No, I think you're going to completely wrong there. I know, I know. I was just being sarcastic. But uh, Ryan got uh, it's this is the second time Gosling's been in a space movie. Like he, I think he's got the, I think he's got the potential to do do it. What was his first one? Armstrong. Okay. So he was the guy that played as um, Neil Armstrong, um, chronicling the the whole first moon landing, uh, which was basically which um, Gosling played as Neil Armstrong. Fair enough. Second, it was. 
yeah, it was First Man. That was the that was the movie title. Yeah, but uh, I think he's I, I think he with this um with this talent house, I think he can do it. As um they not only followed they, they not only they have they followed up with the Oscar win, they have also developed uh, feature comedies in both drama and comedy, with the ambition of setting up reboot material for future generations. Uh, they've also expanded its TV series arm by signing an expect expansive five-year overall deal with Sony Pictures, which they will, uh, the pair will develop their own projects uh, for cable, network, and streaming platforms, champion new voices, and be involved with developing a suit of series based on Sony's collection of Marvel characters. So It's sweet. Ah, I you. know. It's one of those complicated words. You mean like a GIF and a gaff? DJ is now fired from Nerds Amalgamated. I am hiring <laughs> anyone who's not DJ. <laughs> Uh, so, continuing on, Lord and Miller behind the Fox animated series Bless the Hearts, which is ready to debut its second season. So, um, yeah, I I know. I mean, Hollywood's kind of um going through a bit of a, a a slowdown. So, I think this might be a good way to this might this might be a good way to get the cinema fans running. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Well, then here's my problem though with space movies. Like I know, like besides The Martian, there were a couple of other movies that've been coming out lately, like uh, Gravity, Ad Astra. Um, what was that one with? Oh, I, I, the names, the names off the tip of my tongue. It has the, um, the guy from Wolf of Wall Street, not Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, anytime you're ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll th- uh, the the, 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 the I'll think of, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out when I get at the end. But like, you reckon space movies are kind of getting like, uh, we we've seen the space movie time and time again, when we know the endings to most of them. Like, do you reckon this this genre is kind of getting a bit bloated? Nah, there's plenty of space out there for these movies. I mean, I mean, a lot of those space movies, like we mostly, uh, most of them are all like disaster movies or like the um, exploration yeah. movies that go wrong. Yeah, you, you just, yeah, fine. Oh. Not even going to acknowledge that one, are you? Pun. There's plenty of space out there. Ah, oh, right there. I see the pun. Ah, <laughs> oh, the pun. Come on, keep up. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I, I think this will be a good. This is a good one to come in. But I'm just, think, just worried about how all these space movies are coming out and it's just getting bloated. Like, I mean, it'd be pretty cool, like just to see, um, just to see more um, depth, depth into it, depth into that genre. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm always up for more space. So and especially Andy Weir space. Andy Weir is the guy who went through and wrote programs to check all of the maps in his um. In the Martian. Oh, by the so way, that- he oh. he wrote his own program to do the calculations for the slingshot maneuver. Oh yeah, that must have been a very very long long complicated process. Yeah, I assume he had to do some basics, and um, I I don't know if it's um sort of open knowledge, but he had to do a bit of work. I assume he did a bit of work in uh astrophysics just to figure out how it was going together. Hmm. Oh, by the way, that movie I was talking about was Interstellar. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. But um. Anyway, our next uh, topic for the tonight is also in space. Pissant, the new space cement. <laughs> so a new design for cement has been created using astronaut pee and moon rock. <laughs> wow! What a wicked combination. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, the major component is urine and four lunar soil. Yeah, so that's just like prototypes, but um, obviously it's a bit hard to get some moon rocks to test with. Uh, that's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking like, how, how are they going to test this? Like, are they going to test this in, in the moon? Like, whether this thing is hard enough to... Well, I assume they would do, before they did that, they would either use some of the samples that are already on Earth or go and do another sample return mission or maybe even just uh, ship up a robot that could uh, scoop up some dust and build this. But um, I like that the uh, the page image for this is just a Teletubby house. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. If you think, if you look, if you think about it, holy smokes! Even that uh, robot next to it is like that vacuum cleaner in the Teletubbies series. All we need now is a picture of, of all we need now is a picture of the sun with a little girl's face on it. Yeah, why were children's shows back then so into the whole cosmic horror aspect? <laughs> it was the nineties. That's all I'm gonna say. It was the nineties. The nineties were a bad time. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's a it's a Teletubby's house. Right? It's literally just a Teletubby's house with a spaceman. Uh, I'm excited by this because um, anything that makes it easier to build on the moon makes it easier to live on the moon. And the sooner I can move to the moon, the sooner I can get away from you lot. <laughs> oh, come on, Professor. You don't think like that, do you? <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> it's It's like... While the professor is working, he wishes he was in the moon, living in a Teletubby's house. Well, I mean, I could go all moon as a harsh mistress and <laughs> launch giant rocks at anyone who puts in a stupid ticket. <laughs> Anyways, we I, kind of... You're going to waste my time? I'm going to squish you with a giant rock. <laughs> and maybe I'll even turn it into cement by peeing on it first. <laughs> Are you gonna write your name in P and throw it down on us and just sure. go like Sure, why not? <laughs> I mean like you know, move 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 aside peeing in the snow. The newest thing on the on, on the newest thing to do is peeing in the moon. <laughs> well, it would even last longer. Like, um they they make a point, like, well, it would probably evaporate pretty quickly if even if you could pull down your space undies and have a piss. But um, because of the low pressure. But if you could, and it formed into this kind of cement, and there's no wind on the moon, so peeing on the moon would, you could write your name in by peeing on the moon, and it would last forever. <laughs> so can you imagine, can you imagine aliens coming down to Earth and going, whoever this professor was must have lived a very long life alone because his name was written on the because his only name was written on the rock well keep in mind the moon is also covered in white flags so <laughs> any aliens coming past are going to see that and realize we we crush them into submission <laughs> anyways we're kind of getting getting off topic here so really yeah <laughs> so they say here on earth adding a chemical called um Super plasticizer to a cement mix reduce the amount of water needed by keeping a drier mix from getting too crumbly, while leaving it flexible enough to use it using a three D printer. Which is also really cool. Like everyone's like PLA this, PLA that. Screw the PLA printing. Just got a P and D a three D printer to get it going in the morning. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just. <laughs> Look, so, we've opened a can of worms here. 
<laughs> and we're not going to get it closed again. So let's just pee on everything on the moon. <laughs> oh. So, okay, so moving on. It continues on. So then it, then it hit her. I was thinking, what's available on the moon? If you add humans, then what do you have available, she says. Maybe human waste. Yeah, maybe maybe human waste can turn into something useful. Uh so I'm not gonna pronounce this name. Don't don't, don't even try. Uh they said uh, previously Kionixon? Yeah, Kionixon. Kionixon, I think. Yeah. Annalena Kionixon. Yeah. So Kionixon had previously used urea to make plastic materials. Uh, plastic mixtures less viscous. So urea breaks hydrogen bonds between molecules, reducing friction and letting the molecules slide past each other easily. She never heard someone using it in cement, but I thought it was worth a try. Well, anything's worth a try once. <laughs> if it doesn't work, you now have a slightly bigger list of things that don't work and a slightly smaller list of things to try. <laughs> I like this. This is really thinking outside the box. Yep. <laughs> or inside the cricket box. <laughs> oh, wow, we're making a lot of box jokes, are we? <laughs> oh. Anyway, so a slice of aluminium oxide powder, a stand-in for lunar dust, is the main ingredient in Yonixon's cement. Its chemical content is similar to fly ash. Yeah, and fly ash, I think, on Earth traditionally comes from uh, smelters and coal furnaces. Yeah, yeah. So with, but so this is the main component with larger and more crystalline grains. Uh, they mix the power with uh, powdered urea, um, bought from chemical supply company, not distilled from real urine. Yet. But <laughs> yeah. if, we're, if we're going to, like, she says that she doesn't know yet whether they're going to need to purify the urine or if they can just add straight pee to the, the mixture. Yep. But um, you're going to have to figure that out before it gets to the moon. So <laughs> sooner or later, they're going to be peeing in a jar. And the results were amazing. So the, it held its shape under lightweight and withstood temperature changes. And extruding the cement through a tube and stacking several layers on top of each other using a t- uh, 3D p- printer made a tiny stable wall. This is great. <laughs> you, uh, you know what's going to be funny? Can you imagine Donald Trump go- listening to this and going, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> DJ, never, ever speak again. <laughs> Nobody so, uh, needed to think that. <laughs> So yeah, um, so anyway, we belong. So Kionixon plans to test. We are this. going to build the wall, and we will make Mexico pee for it. <laughs> make America pee again. <laughs> we need to change this. I am going to go way too far in a minute. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, and to end all this, she goes. She 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 says this. She also wants to investigate whether future astronauts would have to purify urine, or if they could use pee and cement directly. Well, yeah, it's the difference between peeing into one machine to purify it, and then adding that to the three D printer, or peeing straight into the three D printer. <laughs> One's easier than the other. <laughs> oh God. So 
So you reckon this is? I reckon this could be a practical solution. I mean, you can't. It, it'd be it'd be a while. To, it'd be a while till we do the whole like, hey, uh, can you do a delivery? Like, just deliver some um, um, cement up to the moon here. I want to try peeing onto the onto this cement. I mean, make this stuff available for tradies. <laughs> they can save bathroom breaks. They don't need to go to the the portal for a bathroom break. They can just pee into the cement mixer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it needs more testing. Yep. But I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, Not a- solely because of the potential for jokes, but it's it's up there. Yep. I'll, and uh, we'll attach the um, actual science. Uh, we'll actually we'll attach the uh, journal article to the show notes as well. And uh, I like the, the last last sentence. Last sentence of this article is hilarious. It goes, "It sounds like a sounds like such a daft idea." Here we are. It works. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how so many good ideas happen, though. Someone thinks, I wonder if we can do this thing that's completely ridiculous. And they go and do it, and it works, and it's incredible. Oh. Uh, speaking of pissing on things, <laughs> the Pokemon Go developers have decided to piss on the community. Oh. Yes, I'm not pleased with this change. So they're rolling out a change across Australia now, and we'll soon be rolling it out to the world. But the change makes it harder to earn the in-game currency. During a time when it's already hard enough to earn the in-game currency because we're all staying at home. Though, So basically before this, you earned coins by putting your Pokemon in gyms and defending them for a time. You would earn one coin every 10 minutes, I think, which meant you could earn your daily maximum coins by holding gyms for a total of eight hours. Which, eight hours is a fairly reasonable time. Yeah. But then they decided to change it, and now you earn one coin every 30 minutes. Oh! And you you can supplement it by doing other things. So, challenges. But you now earn one coin every 30 minutes, and lowered the cap. So now, even still, to reach the daily cap of coins you can earn, you have to hold gyms for a total of 25 hours a day. Oh, that's nuts! That's yeah, nuts. and it's not doing good things for the community because, um, well, I've got a, a write-up here from a a user, Redditor Perth, who has uh, written about their experience with this, and they um, and I've noticed it myself too. Gyms are now held for minutes if you're lucky because uh, people are so like people need gyms gyms so much more now to have any hope of getting any coins. So you're just constantly sniping each other. <laughs> uh, this user's written about people getting in fights. Oh no! Are you serious? Yeah, like not physical fights, but shouting matches so far. <laughs> and everyone's gone tribal because you can hold them. Um, there's three teams, and you can hold a gym with the members of your team, but you can't cross over to the other team. If someone from the other team wants to get points from that gym, they need to kick out everyone from your team. Oh no. Oh, yeah. it's, it is a bit of a gauntlet. I mean, like, I like if you like if you look at Pokemon the TV show, like it's always a gauntlet of oh, you have to go through this gauntlet of other people just to meet the gym leader, and that's it. Like that's the battle. Yeah, that's not um not a problem though because you're already doing battles at the gyms. The problem is entirely that they're doing this to monetize it more because they've lowered the amount of coins you can get and made it harder to earn coins, which means they people are going to want to spend more money on the game. 
it's not respectful of the community at all. Does this remind you of any other company on earth that does, that did this before? Uh, yes, a lot of companies yep. <laughs> have released a game in alpha or beta, early access, whatever, and over time made it harder to grind coins or equivalent currency. I mean, it's it's a, it's such a shame that Ninten- that Niantic is also taking this route now. It is. But here's the. Uh, I might play a bit of devil's advocate on this one. It's a mobile phone. Like, isn't that the same? Isn't that the dangers of having mobile phone games, though? I mean, well, any online game can be monetized. It's not just mobile games. The mobile games are particularly bad about it. Especially not our sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends, <laughs> owned by a gambling <laughs> company. Which I'm doing a bit of a write up about that. So, <laughs> oh, you mean you do? You're doing it wrong. It's supposed to be Raid. Shadow Legends! Raid Shadow Legends! <laughs> yeah, so, but there's a lot of companies out there trying to use mobile games for money, and none of them are nearly as successful as Niantic. Yeah. And Niantic is now getting greedy and is trying to crack down and make more money out of Pokemon. And just judging by the way it's affecting the community right now, I don't think people are going to want to keep playing at all this way. If people are getting into fights over gym control, it's just not not good for the community. Just curiously though, what's the um, player like ratio when it comes to Raid Shadow Legends and Pokemon Go? Like, which I know I I, I would bet that Pokemon Go to be more of a bigger player base than Raid, but yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, the interesting part with with this Pokecoin. Um, tale is how like we're, we've seen this sort of tribalism and aggression before like when the when pokemon go first came out i mean like no remember? that wasn't aggressive at all that was really chill i know but then you always have to but then you always have the whole tribalism like which team which are the three teams are you taking uh what was the three it was red yellow and blue if i recall yeah but back in the day when pokemon go first came out people weren't getting in fights about gym control they just yeah, played the game true. now they're yeah. actually people are actually fighting over it yeah yeah and i i really hope that um that they change this back because it wrecks the game for casual players because since you need to control the gym for so long and people are so aggressive now if you aren't in the gym you aren't earning money you now need to hold the gym for 25 hours a day which means you need to find two gyms and hold them for a frankly ridiculous amount of time. There's not enough gyms to go around for the amount of players, especially in a populated city. Yeah, it's it sucks when a game like this get, it gets devolved into a mess. Yeah. yeah. Like, a couple of months ago, we were having a go at, um, at Fallout 76 for adding in uh, microtransactions and all of that and paid private servers. Yeah. When they had a shitty game to begin with. Yeah. Um, they have at least come out with the content. Niantic is now taking things away from you. Yeah. Which sucks, basically. Yeah. Right. It, a, it just always leaves a sour taste when a game developer tries to take content away from you. As a developer, um, Professor, do you do you how do you see this from as a, from a developer perspective? Well, they probably think they're going to make tons of money. They're probably done like they're rolling it out across Australia first, which is where that test site to um to find out how much people will take, and they think they're going to make more money from it this way. If they don't, they'll probably roll it back. But the um, if they, I think they're sacrificing their community to make money. Yeah. 
It's not the first time. I can't name any off the top of my head, but it's definitely not the first time it's happened. And it won't be the last time, but it's really sad to see Pokemon Go, which was such a force for good when it first came out. Oh yeah, with, uh, with yeah. so many crazy um, events. Like, what was that great? What was that one where some girl got run over by a truck while playing Pokemon okay, Go? Okay, some people are idiots, but it got everyone <laughs> out there playing and talking and hanging out outside. Oh, and uh, you know, a couple of crazy things happened. People got hurt because they were idiots, like <laughs> the idiot who stopped his car on a highway to catch a Pokemon. <laughs> That's not Pokemon Go's fault. That's an idiot's fault. <laughs> you can't blame blame that on Pokemon Go. Uh, so I remember one story where some uh, a couple of kids um, it, gate crashed into a funeral and started walking around the funeral yeah. parlor. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? That's just people being assholes. <laughs> uh, you'll never stop people being being that dumb. Yeah, yeah, but but I do agree with you. Like it, it brought it brought like people together, and it 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 was wholesome at the time. Yeah, and now they're turning us against each other. Yeah, like even even though we're on different teams, people still got along together. But now they're just turning us against each other for money. Yeah, and yeah, it's just it's not even that they've made it harder to earn coins. There's now a lower cap. So it used to be you could earn 80 coins a day, which, well, they've lowered the cap. So now it will take you longer to um, save up for things. Uh, from a developer's pers- perspective, how would you remedy the situation? Um, look, they're already hugely making loads of money. I'd like to think that as a developer, I wouldn't try to take um, take people like that, like, they're already hugely popular. They have a good thing going. I'd like to think I wouldn't mess with it, but I've never been in that situation. I've never been in a team that size with that many people playing. So I think it's hard to say what I would do, but I'd hope it's not this. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, I mean, the mobile phone gaming market, is it's growing and evolving at the same time. And Pokemon Go, as much as people will dislike to say, like, it's kind of getting the it's like kind of getting to the it's autumn years kind of thing i don't think that's true at all it's still <laughs> huge like, it's, still hu- it's still huge but no one will remember raid shadow legends in two years but people will remember pokemon i mean there are other games though there's always clash of clans there and, and it's yeah. evolutions and that's still going like because that and angry birds for example that's still <sighs> angry going birds, i haven't heard that name in years <laughs> like oh. Angry Birds isn't really still going. They, as far as I'm aware, they haven't released a new game in years. Uh, if, if if you want a really old one, uh, Fruit Ninja, man, that game is old. Yeah, but those games weren't games as a service like Pokemon Go is. Pokemon Go keeps releasing new content. Uh, it keeps having weekly or monthly events. Uh, before coronavirus, there was a weekly raid day where yeah. raid hour for an hour on Wednesday nights, everyone would go out and do battles to catch rare Pokemon. But a game like Fruit Ninja, it's not designed for that. It's not a, a social game. It's on a completely different level. That's fair. Yeah, and I think they're probably seeing a bit of a boost right now while people are still playing, but. I think people will burn out quicker rather than later. So uh, my, my other question also would be, if they get rid of this system, like the PokeCoin system, how are they going to 
um, compensate. Same way they were. How so? Well, they were making money before they changed the system. Here we go. Pokemon Go has made more than $3 billion in lifetime revenue as of the end of October last year. Oh! So you think the system wasn't working? (laughs) You really think that they don't have the money? Oh, can you compare that to the other game though, like Raid, for example. I wonder how much would that, how much money they got that that game's revenue is getting though. Probably less. So you know, you really think they don't have the money to do this right? No, I don't. I'm they, hoping they will pick up on this and realize that that people aren't happy with this and this isn't going to help them and that they roll back to the old system. Like, I'm fine with them tweaking the system and trying new things. They did that with the gyms uh, a few years ago. They decided they were just going to take all gyms offline for a couple of weeks while they um, updated them. And that was cool. That, That worked well. Gyms came back, were hugely improved. But this has just fallen flat. So you were saying, um, like, um, highest grossing mobile games? I think I found the highest grossing game is Monster Strike. Literally never heard of it. Wait a second, I'll put it up for you. Uh, it's really, really, <laughs> there's a lot of revenue here. I'm just looking, like, uh, Pokemon Go, four, four billion? Seven hundred million? That's the sixth highest. Okay, so a lot of names that I sort of expect to see here. Yeah. Uh, some that have absolutely massive advertising budgets, like Game of War Fire Age had TV ads. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I have no idea whether Raid Shadow Legends has TV ads, but they've got such a huge, um, YouTube. huge presence yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. And they're not even on the list of the top 41 yeah. uh, highest grossing games. Huh. What's it? This is interesting. Hearthstone's in there, and it's and it's by Blizzard as well. Yeah, and <laughs> it's uh, free to play. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think you spend money on card packs. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with Pokemon, you can uh, play entirely free and not have to pay anything, or you can choose to pay, and people have been paying. Huh. There's no other way to make three million dollars. Uh, po- Pokemon Go gets beaten by Candy Crush in grossing mobile game in, in terms of revenue. I'm not entirely surprised that Candy Crush beat it, but Candy Crush has had four years on Pokemon Go. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone should go and tell... Um, go and tell Niantic if if they play Pokemon Go, you should go and tell Niantic what you think because they also developed uh, the Harry Potter game, and I don't play that as much as I play Pokemon Go. I've only put a couple of hours into that one really, but um, because it's it's hard having multiple location based phone games since you can't run them both at the same time, obviously. But um, if if this works and like if they don't get backlash for this in Pokemon. I think they would try to roll out something similar in Harry Potter Go. What's the name of it? Wizards Unite. That's right. Yeah. So if um 
I think we all need to speak up now before Niantic finishes rolling this out around the world and make sure they realize that the fans aren't happy. I will, all I will say is vote with your wallets. Vote with your wallets. All your Twitter accounts or Reddit accounts or YouTube accounts or whatever it takes <laughs> to tell them what you think because, yeah, let them know you're not happy. Or at least I'm not happy and other people aren't happy. You might be perfectly happy, in which case good for you. Enjoy your happiness. I'm just a grumpy old man, but you will be true one day. So, you know, let's get out there and make sure they know what we want. Yep. Anyway, uh, what have you been playing this week, DJ? Um, I've been playing Legend of Runeterra, so it's uh, still those... oh, League of Legends. Yeah, but still, you were playing it last week and the week before. No, I was playing the week before. I was playing Alan Wake. You're right, you were. Okay, you played it two weeks ago. <laughs> you're like you're like someone who wears the same dress to, to two different events. Yep. <laughs> Nicole Kidman wouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> um, hey, it's a good game. I mean, I've been playing it with, <laughs> against the AI, and I'm, I'm, the more I'm playing it, the more addictive it's getting. I mean... Like the, the addiction is where you have to create this perfect deck when you want to, so you can try and play against people. And I play, I, I was foolishly, I played, um, I'm still a newbie on this game, but foolishly, I went online and tried to verse against someone. And <laughs> oh, it, 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 I got defeated twice, but the third time I went online, I, I played someone, they, they had the advantage and, I was like on three health, they were on one health, and they had the advantage. They had, they were on, um, it was their turn, and they surrendered. Yeah, everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> and I'm going like, they sur- you, you surrendered? <laughs> oh. But yeah, they, um, but yeah, the game is interesting to play with. Like, like I said, like you have to come up with the perfect. You can build the per- the perfect deck. Um, there, the biggest flaw with this game is um, they don't really tell you like what are the what are the successes or the failures of the of this deck kind of thing. So there's no sort of kill death ratio. No, no. So like if let's say for example you build a specific deck, the game doesn't tell you like oh um. This deck you've got to build, um, it's not gonna help you out, kind of thing. Like, okay, so is it just the game doesn't handhold you while you're making a deck, or is it that like you want more analytics so you can tell which decks you've made have done well? Um, both. Like the handholding part, and especially the handholding part, to be honest. Okay. <clears throat> but now, there... since we were speaking about microtransactions in card games a moment ago, yeah. have you spent any money? No, luckily no. I don't. Not intend to. But uh, the microtransactions are pretty interesting as well. Like you've got um, you've got shards and you've got exploration coins. Uh, the shards you can uh, you can earn them um, as much as you want through by doing all the quests and leveling up. And the and there's also the weekly vault, which every which opens up every Tuesday. And um, it you get um, the number of number of treasures in the weekly vault depending on how many times you play the game, how many times you played. So, like, if you get like four treasures, that means you. Uh, that's a result of you playing it four times. So, okay. the more times you played the game, the more times, more amount of treasures you you can be able to win on the weekly vault. Now, you've put in a lot of time in this so far. So, do you feel like it's pushing you towards spending money? There have been moments I have I have been tempted to spend money on it, but no. 
I ha- I haven't had the I haven't had the chance to spend money. So okay, because some games are scummier about it than others, like the uh, Harry Potter adventure game, where um, you would be given a certain number of actions a day, and you could spend money to get more. And it was designed so that you would run out of actions when a character was in literally a life or death situation, <laughs> like a whole cliffhanger oh. thing. And then it's like, oh no, you're out of energy. Would you like to buy more? <laughs> I, I saw that. I was like, different. what the hell? What's wrong with... I was like, what the hell? Yeah, it's a bit a bit silly. Yeah, yeah. And the mobile company um even defended that decision as well. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, they were saying, like, we've tried to create a game and write a story that had stakes, and, this, and that has dramatic moments that reflect the level of drama and emotion that you see in the film and books. Okay. I don't, <laughs> hey, guys, I don't think being in a perilous situation is unique to our Harry Potter game when you compare it to the films and books. And that's a complete non-answer. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, like I say, I don't think our game is more violent or more scary than any other Potter, any other Potter stories. Without that, we leave you a cliffhanger. It seems like the book's chapter end at a dramatic moment, blah, blah, blah. So, so I'm hoping we don't measure, I hope, I'm hoping we, we can also measure um, our game as the same. And he says, I do not think it conflicts with, our, with the business model. Uh, in the same way as Dickens wrote for magazines for before he wrote for books or television writers write for seasons, we're writing for interactive episodes and chapters that requires a different type of writing with a different ca- uh, cadence. Cadence. Yep, thank you. Cadence that I believe can be true to the world of Harry Potter. Yeah, that is the biggest non-answer I've ever heard. <laughs> it feels like he's just um, moving the buck. Yeah. It's like J.K. Rowling never left you at a point where a character was literally life or death and said, send me more money to find out what happens. Um, <laughs> oh, can you I, imagine? I know, about Charles Dickens. <laughs> I, I know he wrote his books as serials and magazines, but it okay. sort of feels different because that's designed to be experienced in, in chapters and yeah. Can, can you imagine David Cage doing this type of Harry Potter game going, give me more! <laughs> give me more money! Only if it has um, awkward mocap. <laughs> that or- is the, the thing for David Cage games. Awkward <laughs> mocap. Or, or him saying David. <laughs> David! Or Jason. Oh yeah, that's one. Jason! Jason! <laughs> But yeah, so with this game in terms of microtransactions, there are a couple elements of microtransactions and various currencies. I haven't yet gone to the element of I should spend money to get um to get into this get to get more stuff. I haven't got gone to that element yet, so it's fair enough then. Yeah, but as I said, the biggest flaw sometimes it's the um, it doesn't really guide you that much. You have to play it by trial by error kind of thing. So. I mean, it's fun. It, it, it does have the element of, like, it does put the element of, oh, yeah, it's a card game, so you have to have this trial-by-fire trial by kind of thing. But, yeah, there has to be a moment where you have to go, like, all right, this is where you fight, this is where you do this, this yeah. is your deck, and you, if you want to add this, this might, this might improve your attack ability and stuff like that. So I wish they put more effort into that 
that section. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna leave my with nerdy beanies wise. I'll give this one a four point five out of five. Same same score as last time. Okay. Now, did you ever finish Alan Wake? I would. I would like to finish that on the weekend. Because <laughs> that uh, that feels like a very long game, and that would take me a whole lot, a whole day for me to finish that game. Yeah, I think it took me about. I mean, I've got forty hours of playtime in it, but I was uh, studying it for a uni assignment. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the assignment was literally play games and uh, write about how they do things. So, I've been playing Slime Rancher, which is. It's sort of cute, weird farming game where you um, run a farm to breed and uh, grow slimes. Except it's a bit weird because the way to make money is by feeding slimes food and collecting that poo. And then you sell uh, that poo. <laughs> and let me guess, the, that poo is going to be used as cement. I don't know. I don't know who's buying all this slime poo. <laughs> it, it looks like crystals, so maybe. But the way to crossbreed slimes and get one that's a sort of combined model slime, you get um, you feed a slime another slime's poo. It's weird. It, it's disturbing and weird, and but it is strangely adorable and fun to play. I don't know how deep it's going to get. It feels like it can't get too deep because the farm area is fairly small, but looking at the map, the whole map seems fairly large. And I'm really not that far into it. I've only got a handful of different types of slime, and I haven't unlocked any of the uh, other areas yet. Um, so I, I take it there are the, there's a lot of microtransactions to this game as well. None at all. None at all. Nice. None at all. Um, it's a PC game, and but uh, yeah, mate. I don't know if I'm loving it. I, I normally enjoy sort of chill farming games, but this one feels like it just doesn't have enough depth in it. Of course, I could be completely blown away because one of the areas I haven't unlocked yet is an alchemy lab. Hmm. So um, I'll probably log a few more hours and just see where it's going. Uh, until then, I'll give it a two and a half because it's fun. Like, you know, it's fun if you're into that sort of game, but I don't know if it has the depth to keep me playing. Fair enough, fair enough. What's the biggest flaw you've encountered for this game? Um, Actually, one thing I forgot to mention is that the main tool is a, a vacuum. So you suck <laughs> things up and then shoot them back out. Ah, but, um, I think the uh, the big flaw is probably the lack of depth. Um, but, you know, we'll see see how it goes in a few more hours of gameplay. I think maybe I'll do an update next week. Yeah. And uh, I think the, um, yeah, so I think two and a half out of five, which I'm trying, I know it's common for reviewers to, make it so that anything less than like 80% is awful and where you need to actively do things wrong to get less than 80%. But I, I don't like that and I want to try to balance it out where only truly awful games get like a one out of five and games that are, you know, only truly excellent games get a five. Yeah. So anyway, and to our shout outs. So on the 15th of May, Fred Willard passed away at 86. Frederick Charles Willard was a um, an American actor, comedian, and writer. He's best known for his role in This Is Spinal Tap, the Christopher D Guest documentaries, uh, and the Anchorman films. He was also in Family Matters, Sister, Sister, Mad About You, and Everyone Loves Raymond. 
He earned nominations for Primetime Emmys for Best Guest Actor in a Comedy for three consecutive years. And he was the only human character in the in, in the movie Wall-E. Well, it says human character, but um, I'm assuming like I'm assuming that means he's the the president in the uh, yeah. in the video because like the captain's human, the um, the passengers are human. Yep, I think he. I think I, uh, that meant as in the. Uh, hang on a second. There we go. The global CEO, <laughs> that guy. Okay. Yeah. So basically, the. Yeah, I was thinking like I—I I mean, I said president, but what I was thinking was like company president, because I really like the um, hyper corporate capitalist wasteland <laughs> bit in that movie. Not that I necessarily think capitalism has to lead to the end of the world, but I just like the the backstory for the companies in the in the movie. Mm. Like, uh, Buy was a company that made like the food shakes, and Large was a company that made plus size clothing. And then they realized, hey, the food shakes make people fat and they buy the cloves. Let's merge and people will buy the drinks and buy the cloves. Mm. Anyway, um, his last role was the Netflix series Space Force. And on the 18th of May, Ken Osmond passed away. Ken played the teenager Eddie Haskell in the sitcom Leave it to Beaver. He appeared in all six seasons, um, then played the adult version of Eddie in the new Leave it to Beaver in the 1980s. Ken felt like he'd been typecast as Eddie, and it was he said it was a death sentence, and he could never really break into other roles. He, uh, in 1969, when he got married, he signed up for the police department and grew a moustache to disguise himself. So that um, those costumes of the the Groucho Mark Groucho Marx glasses and moustache, apparently they work. <laughs> Um, in 1980, he was shot three times in a car chase. Uh, one bullet was stopped by his belt buckle, the others by his bulletproof vest. So it did its job. <laughs> and on the 19th of May, Red Dead Redemption celebrated its 10th anniversary, which is probably uh, one of the one of the most uh, famous games of all time. The um, the sequel came out, and while the single player was hugely well received, the multiplayer fell completely flat because they tried to squeeze it into the GTA model and it just didn't work. Yeah. So for remembrances, on the 19th of May, 1825, Henry de Saint-Simon, a.k.a. Claude Henry de Rivray, Rivray, what? (laughs) Comte de Saint-Simon, created the political and economic ideology known as Saint-Simonism. They claimed that the needs of the industrial class Needed to be recognized and fulfilled to have an effective society and an efficient economy. So he reckoned that the primary threat to the needs of the industrial or working class was the idling class, including people who were parasitic and avoided doing work. It's like, this is like, no kidding. Yeah. Sounds like a a write up um, smart guy here. Write up (laughs) communist. But uh, he um, he believed in the merit of the individual and the hierarchy of merit in society and the economy, with uh, merit-based organizations of managers and scientists to be decision makers in government. That really doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> so Karl Marx and Frederick Engels identified Saint Simon as an inspiration to their ideas and classified him as a utopian socialist. He died from suicide at 64 in Paris. Uh, here's an interesting fact with St. Simon. He's tried it six times and failed all six times. To commit suicide. Yeah. The, the only, well, oh, well, 
he obviously didn't fail one of them because he died. Yeah, but so he's the fi- what was that? Six failures and one success. Yeah, and the fi- and he uh, as a result of his um uh, and as a result he only lost an oh, eye. No, here we go. Yeah. So what you have said there is a bit wrong. So in 1823, a few years before he actually died, uh, disappointed by the lack of results of his writing, he shot himself in the head six times, lost his sight in one eye. That's insane. Like, there's conspiracy theories about people who have shot themselves twice in the head. And it's like, how could you possibly shoot yourself twice in the head? They must have been murdered, especially when that person's like former intelligence agency or whatever. But he he pulled it off six times. <laughs> And only lost sight in one eye. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so uh, on the same day, but in 1935, we have T.E. Lawrence, Colonel Thomas Edward Lawrence, better known as Lawrence of Arabia. He was renowned for his role in the Arab Revolt and the Sinai and Palestine campaign against the Ottoman Empire during the First World War and has a whole bunch of great movies about him. So in 1916, he went to Arabia on an intelligence mission and became involved as a liaison to the Arab forces and worked with Emir Faisal, a leader of the revolution, and also joined military actions against the Ottomans. So he was part of the capture of Damascus in 1918, then continued working with Faisal after the war. He's been everywhere. He, it's funny that he ended up working on um, on rescue motorboats for the Royal Air Force because um, the a few um, well years before that, when he was in Arabia, he described camels as the ships of the sea because they have a, a particular wobbling gait. So he died of a um, from crashing his motorbike at the age of forty six in Bovington Camp, Dorset. Um, interesting thing with T. E. Lawrence. His death was the inspiration to why people should wear motor helmets while riding a motorbike. Makes a lot of sense. That way you like, can't hit your head if you're wearing a helmet. <laughs> so uh, on the 19th of May 2009, Robert F. Furchkut, the Nobel Prize winning American biochemist who contributed to discovering nitric oxide as a transient cellular signal in mammalian systems, which basically means that it, um, nitric oxide is a vital chemical in allowing signals to travel through the uh, the nerves. So he received the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for discovering nitrous oxide as a cellular signal with uh, Louis Ignaro and Farad Murat. And it also explained the effects of nitroglycerin used for angina pectoris and which also led to the development of Viagra because it causes vessels to dilate, which is kind of important when you're uh, needing to take medicine for either of those conditions. He died of ni- at 92 in Seattle, Washington. And for the famous birthdays, on the 19th of May, 1942, we have Gary Kildall. Gary was um, created the CPM operating system and founded Digital Research Incorporated. He was one of the first people to see microprocessors as fully capable computers. And uh, I'm actually going to try out CPM soon because I'm building a Z80 computer kit. Nice. Yeah. Where'd you get it? Uh, it's the RC2014 kit, which um, I have to put a link in the show notes now. But it's uh, had it shipped over from a guy in England who came up with this design and publishes. So it's open source, but he uh, fabs all the PCBs and makes kits and everything. So... Kildall and his wife Dorothy established a company called Intergalactic Digital Research, 
before renaming it as Digital Research Incorporated. Um, they published CPM for the IMSI 8080, a clone of the Altair 8800, which is one of my favorite retro computers, actually. I just love the, the big clunky switches on the front of the, the Altairs and the PDPs. And so um, because there were so many hardware variations that were running CPM, he came up with the idea of a BIOS, which is a, a basic program running on a running on the computer hardware to load CPM and to translate whatever's needed between CPM and the um, the unique hardware of that system. So uh, by 1981, it ran on 3,000 different computer models, and they yeah, his company had 5.4 million in yearly revenues. He was born in Seattle, Washington. Um, so yeah, I'm going to put a, a link to the RC2014 in the uh, the show notes. I'm part way through building it, but I'm going to need to uh, go back and find my um, my solder sucker and solder removal tools because I've made the mistake of having some solder flood over and fill a few of the through holes. Aww. Yeah, it's a pain to clean out. <laughs> oh, nuts. Yeah. So yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes, but um. I have the RC2014 Pro model and a couple of the uh, add-on modules, which um, aren't part of the main kit, just so I can hook it up to different things. I really recommend it. It's super simple to put together. Um, So on the 19th of May, 1944, Peter Mayhew was born. Peter is best known for playing Chewbacca in Star Wars. He played Chewbacca from the 1977 original to 2015's The Force Awakens before retiring. Uh, so George Lucas needed a tall actor who could fit the role, and he thought he'd get bodybuilder David Prowse, but Prowse chose to play Darth Vader. And uh, Mayhew at the time was working as an orderly in the radiology department of a hospital in London. He's 2.21 metres tall. Wow. And was immediately cast as soon as he stood up to greet George Lucas. <laughs> Can you imagine just like being the director like, hi, Pete here. Hi, you're hired. Yeah, and like, how could you not? Like, he just stands up and he towers over you. <laughs> so Lucas said Mayhew was the closest any human could be to a Wookiee. Big heart, gentle nature, and I learned to always let him win. <laughs> that, that explains why Han doesn't fight with Chewie. Would you? He's 2.21 meters tall and he's basically a walking bear. <laughs> on uh, the 19th of May 1946, Andre the Giant was born. Andre, uh, Andre René is a French prof- was a pro- French professional wrestler and actor. He too was over seven feet tall. Uh, it doesn't have an exact height here, but similar height to uh, Peter Mayhew, but completely different build. Peter Mayhew's quite spindly. Andre the Giant is big in every dimension. Yeah. So outside of wrestling, he's best known for appearing as Fezzik in The Princess Bride. After his death in 1993, he became the inaugural inductee into the WWF Hall of Fame. Which is now known as WWE Hall of Fame. Yes. Yeah. And he and um he he has some very interesting stories. Like for example, with the Princess Bride, as you were saying, he uh he loves that movie. Yeah, it says here that he carried a copy everywhere he went, and uh, he once consumed 119 350 mil beers in six hours, which is over 41 liters. And things he uh, he had a lot of issues um, with his body because of his condition. 
So he had uh, acromegaly, and he was in so much pain that that's part of the reason why he drank so much. And And there's an anecdote about the time while he was on set, and he farted for a solid 20 seconds. (laughs) And he... um, I think it was the director asked him, are you okay? And he's like, I am now, boss. <laughs> My favorite anecdote with um, Andre the Giant I was watch, um is where he um, he would drink like a hundred, he would be drinking like bottles of wine and um, one of the wrestlers was was doing a promo and he was supposed to, and Andre was supposed to fight this guy. So he comes out, he's absolutely drunk and they have this fighting and Andre's just mauling this opponent. And 20 minutes into this match, uh, Andre, fought, the guy takes the upper hand, he slams on the floor, and he's trying to he's trying to get Andre to fight back and stuff. And all of a sudden, um, he's he's saying, "Hey, something's not wrong here." He lifts his hand, he lifts Andre's hand, and it falls down. Hey, something's wrong here, guys. The referee comes in, and he notices Andre sleeping on the on, on the wrestling mat. <laughs> <laughs> And so the opponent's like, "Oh my god, how am I gonna wake this guy up?" So he's waking, he's trying to wake him, wake him up. Like, come on, Andre, come on, Andre, wake up, wake up. And as soon as Andre wakes up, he's like a bear. He's like, "I'll get you, I'll get you." <laughs> he starts chasing him out of the ring. It must have taken a lot to put him to sleep, though. Oh, uh, he was drunk at the time, so holy. Yeah, like, how many bottles of wine did you say? A hundred, uh, like like a hundred, like six ca- cases of wine. <laughs> yeah, like that would put anyone on the floor. <laughs> there's a there's a very nice documentary about Andre the Giant. I recommend people watching. It's called um, and, it's called Andre the Giant, but it was really good. It's really good to watch. Like he talks about how he's suffering acrylam- um gigantism, and he was it was how his gigantism was costing his his career. Like. Before this famous match between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, which I think you might have seen as well, and how no, Vince actually I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Oh, it's a. I've it was never very... seen. Um, I I don't watch wrestling. Uh but um, the lead up to this match, like they, no one knew the result of that match, which was very interesting as well. So it wasn't a planned match, like a lot of them are. It wasn't really a planned match. Like, like um, Hulk Hogan was t- constantly asking Andre, like, "Hey, Andre, do you know this? Ma- do you know how you want to go this match? How do you want to go this match?" Like, nah, nah I'm not gonna tell you. Like, you have to figure it out on the on the on the <laughs> oh, day. <laughs> so I can't like, see how that could go wrong. <laughs> and like, it was perfect. Like, it was a perfect end. Like the way it was a perfect ending. I recommend people watching it. It was a pretty good, it's a pretty good documentary to watch and yeah, it tells okay. a lot of interesting stories like Andre Farte again. <laughs> so yeah. next up we have on the nineteenth of May nineteen fifty five, James Gosling, aka Dr. Java, best known as the founder and lead designer behind Java, best known as one of the most controversial programming languages in existence. He uh, created his own version of Emacs while working towards his doctorate. He built a multiprocessor version of Unix for a 16-way computer system. 16-way? I haven't heard that term before. I wonder if that's um, for the number of users or for the number of cores or something along those lines. So he came up with the idea for the Java Virtual Machine while writing a program to port software from a PERC machine by translating PERC Q code to fax assembler and emulating the hardware. So that's why Java has a is known for being a bit slow because it's running a whole virtual machine emulating a, a a Java machine on your computer. 
and uh, running all the code inside that. So to run Java code on a machine, you don't write a compiler or anything. You write a virtual machine to uh, to match whatever uh, hardware you're using. Sort of like what I was saying earlier with the BIOS for CPM, except at a higher level. So he also invented a Unix windowing system called News, which um, unfortunately didn't get an open source license, so it uh, just floundered a bit. He's known for his level proving the unknown, and his favorite irrational number is square root of two. He has a framed picture of the first thousand digits of the square root of two in his office. He was born near Calgary, Alberta. And uh, events of interest. On the 18th of May, 1980, the eruption of Mount St. Helens, which means this week was the 40th anniversary of the um, eruption. So starting from March 27th, 1980, uh, volcanic explosions and pyroclastic flows began at Mount St. Helens and working up until the uh, May 18th eruption. Well, this eruption had a volcanic explosivity index of five. It's the most significant eruption to occur in the contiguous 48 U.S. states and the most disastrous eruption in U.S. history. The, um, so there was a massive bulge in the side of the mountain. Then when it finally gave way, the whole side of the mountain just slipped off and formed a massive lehar. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, a lehar is basically a volcanic landslide or mudslide um, because it managed to, like, when it erupted, it melted all of the ice and glaciers, entire glaciers on the mountain. And uh, some of them reached uh, 80 kilometers southwest. It was equivalent to 26 megatons of TNT, uh, which um, despite the tonnage of the little boy bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Here we go. So the little boy bomb was only 15 kilotons, and this was 26 megatons. And it flattened all of the trees in the in the area. Um, thousands of animals were killed. About 50 people died. Um, the, and it completely changed the shape of the mountain. What, oh, by the way, I was um, looking through the eruption of Mount St. Helens, and one of the people that died, his famous last words were, Vancouver, Vancouver, I've got it. Wasn't it, this is it? Yeah, yeah, Vancouver, Vancouver, this is it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. 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 So, this is uh, it. Yeah, actually, that's uh, 57 deaths. Yeah. And uh, one of them was a guy who was known for basically being a bit of a mountain man. He ran a lodge there and refused to ever leave. <laughs> and the lodge is now under a few dozen meters of ash and dirt. And, you know, no one's ever going to see him again. But apparently he died, you know, doing what he loved. So that's nice to know. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy looking at the photos from that because it's completely um, so a complete wasteland and it's spread dust, like, ash all over the world. I'm looking at the Volvo, oh, man, the, the Volvo that got captured in the eruption. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel sorry for that Volvo owner. So yeah, the um, pyroclastic flow was 360 degrees Celsius. Celsius. When it first hit the um, well, when it hit the first human victims, which fortunately means they probably died pretty instantly. Mm. So on the uh, 19th of May 1999, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace was released. Star Wars Episode One, being the fourth movie released in the series, just a confusion, um, led to 2.2 million full-time employees skipping work to attend the film, causing a 
nearly 300 million US dollar loss of productivity. Many companies closed on opening day because of this. Um, so it was almost 16 years after the previous Star Wars film, Return of the Jedi. And then on the same day, but in 2005, episode three, being the sixth movie in the series, was released. Just, George, can you count? <laughs> yeah, so um, the theatrical release in most countries took part on the same day to coincide with the 1999 release of Phantom Menace and also uh, the 1977 release of New Hope and the 83 release of Return of the Jedi because they really like the 19th of May, but for some reason we do May the 4th be with you, which I know why we do it, but... I think it was a marketing gimmick, if I recall. Okay. Um, yes, but that is uh, all we have for this week. DJ, where can they find us? Um, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, they can email us on nerdsamalgamate nerds at gmail.com. All of our, no- all, all our details yes. will be on our show notes. And if you happen to vehemently disagree with me as much as I vehemently disagree with Neantic, I really want to hear from you. So send us a message. <laughs> Seriously, I want to know what other people are thinking of this, if there's anyone who actually likes it. Yeah. Um, they can also find us on that'snotcanon.com where we have a archive of, of our old episodes and we've got some new podcast series as well, such as the, um, what was that long-named Long named podcast again. Oh, Zane, Zane has to stop doing this. I can't remember any of the names because they're too long. Oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> An assemblage of grandiose and bombastic grandiloquence. Yeah, but there's a, a new one as well that just came out. Do you know that one? Uh, the Missile the Home Museum of Mystery oh. Morbidity. Oh, thank you. But uh, that's, that's another one I'm thinking of. That's another one? one this week. Oh, which is. If Facebook would load, come on, Australian internet, you can do it. <laughs> Here we go. Heavenly shows and unnecessary letters, which wow. is uh, about Shakespeare. Wow, very nice. Yeah, which uh, should be really good because Shakespeare came up with a whole bunch of new words that we still use these days, which um, I reckon is going to make this one a fun one to keep up with. But uh, that's all. So look after yourself, stay hydrated, and we'll see you next week. Hooray. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.